Are you weary? Unsure? Are you overwhelmed by the trials of life? Now more than ever, it is time to lift your gaze. It is no coincidence that you are tuned in at this very hour. This listener-supported podcast, Lift Your Gaze, promises to deliver empathy, edification, and empowerment. And with your subscription today, you will have access to every single impactful episode of Lift Your Gaze. Brace yourself for the breakthrough you've been waiting for. It's time to lift your gaze. Welcome to Lift Your Gaze, the podcast that ignites your spirit and uplifts your soul. I'm your host, Kim M. Clark, CEO and founder of Lift Your Gaze. Lift Your Gaze exists to provide hope to the darkest areas of our society, the correctional system. I'm also a best-selling and multiple award-winning author of several books and the publisher of Deep Waters Books. As a former college marketing instructor and a Johns Hopkins alumni, I invite you to join me on the transformational journey into the boundless healing power of hope. This is episode 107, Manslaughter of My Grandbaby, The Power of Prayer. I'm in for manslaughter for my grandbaby. Leah, not her real name, said with tears forming in her eyes. I stopped teaching. This is my first time in a state prison. This was several years ago. It was an accident, she continued. I was in the bathroom, and I have horrible issues with my GI system, and my youngest opened the door. My grandbaby got out and drowned in a puddle. It was a horrible tragedy, and now I'm here. Tears poured out of her bloodshot eyes and down her wrinkled cheeks. She blew her nose loudly into a long stream of toilet paper. Tissues are considered contraband and not allowed in prisons or jail. I swallowed hard. I gently replied, I'm so sorry for your loss. Her gray hair bobbing, she nodded. Lee looked as though life had not been kind to her. I'm 60 years old, and God needed to get my attention. I rededicated my life to Christ and got baptized right here in the prison yard. I smiled. I'm so glad. I'm so happy for you. And I just completed my associate degree in computer science. I'm ready to better my life when I get out in 2025. She raised her saggy arms upward in praise to God. Leah glowed. The Holy Spirit clearly dwelt inside her. After Um, After a person's sentence, they're usually remanded to prison, and that's where Leah was. She was convicted, and she was found in the state prison. And the atmosphere and spirit are very different at correctional facilities. Each one seems to have their own personality. Most ministry workers actually prefer prison over jails due to the uncertainty and anxiety of inmates in jail. And it is. It's very um, it's very intense. When you go in, uh, there's a lot of anxiety. But God's given me a gift, I guess, after teaching college. All those years is just to bring them down and focus on what God's doing right now and to trust God in the midst of the storm because they're really in a, a, a just an incredible trial and storm. And in jail, they usually have time to grieve over their sentence. And if you've missed some of my uh, episodes on grieving, I suggest you go back to episode uh, 101 to 103. This was really powerful on the biblical approach to grieving and and how to trust God, even in the midst of uh, just an amazing trial and, and a season of grieving. But for me, I found back to uh, prisons, I found the atmosphere in this prison more oppressive. As a general population in prison inmates, they seem to have less hope, which I found in jail. There was obviously hope because that was before their trial. But Leah in this prison had hope. She, after 
I spoke and during my spoke, and she was comforting the other women, pointing them to God. Then one by one, they started to share the details of why they were inca- why they were incarcerated. My heart broke with each story as I absorbed the heaviness of each inmate sentence. I sighed and prayed for a godly response to comfort these ladies. The Holy Spirit did not disappoint. God can and will use your situation behind these walls of razor wire for good. For God uses those who have gone through the flames of affliction to go back and throw water on those still in the flames. Let me read that again. So I shared with them, only God can use your situation and will and does use your situation for good. For them, it's behind these walls of razor wire for good. For God uses those who have gone through the flames of affliction to go back and throw water on those still in the flames. Leah's eyes lit up. I continued, at the beginning of our service, while the worship music played, Leah, your friend started sobbing. You went over to her, prayed for her, and told her God is the only way to make it through prison and through her sentence. God is using you now to minister to these other ladies. God is using you as instrument of grace, mercy, and peace in here, behind these walls of razor wire. She beamed and wiped her eyes. The interaction left me with a question for all of us on the outside. What seemingly horrible situation are you going to give to God so he can use it for good in your life? And I pray as you just ponder that, because a lot of us are going through difficult times, especially after the ripple effects of the pandemic. Many of us are, there's a lot of issues out there. I know the children are still struggling with how to process what happened the last few years. I have a 12-year-old now and a 21-year-old, and they're still processing that and kind of walking through that. And all of us, I think, need that. And some of us are business owners and just experiencing the effects of the pandemic had on our business, those ripple effects. I think all of us need that reminder going, okay, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to just play this on your, just lay it on your altar and pray, Lord, you use it for good. And I want to share with you, um, this brings me to prayer and the importance of prayer. And this is from my latest book, Deep Waters Lift Your Gaze prayer book. And it's actually, it actually was newly awarded the AWSA Golden Scrolls, a finalist. And this is in the beginning. And I wanted to share with you the definition of prayer because I think that's really important. Prayer means it's an address, such as a petition to God in word or thought. Or it can be the act or practice of praying to God. But it's, it's a request or it can be a conversation with God. And to pray is a verb. It means to make a request in a humble manner, to address God or to address God with adoration, confession, supplication, or thanksgiving. So I think that's really important when we're praying is not only to put in our request, but also to worship him, to confess any sins. And supplication, of course, means asking. But we're in thanksgiving because we're supposed to be anxious for nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication to present our request to God. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard our hearts and my, our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the blessing we have. We just lay all of our anxiety on, on God's altar and go, you know what, I don't understand this, but I trust you. So I'm going to share with you an excerpt from my prayer book about prayer and the importance of knowing who you're praying to. And I was sharing this with my girlfriend, we would sit at my kitchen table and pray all the time. And she was over one day and I shared with her, words have power and God's words have unbelievable influence and authority. 
God uses words to create the entire universe. I share with my troubled friend as we sat down at the, my kitchen table to pray. I pray scripture to God in faith, knowing that his word does not return void. And that's really important. This is his word. If you pray with scripture, his word does not return void. And that's so powerful for us. So my girlfriend nodded. Her chair creaked as she shifted her weight. I focused on the glimmer of curiosity in her bright blue eyes. Remember when I couldn't go to that conference nearby and I had to attend the same event several states away on a different date? I prayed Romans 8.28, which we know that all things work for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And if you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation, then that is you. And I prayed Romans again 8.28 back to God and asked him to work that situation out for good. At that conference, I reconnected with a friend who I haven't seen in a decade, and I shared the gospel with her, and she's now saved. She thanks me every time we talk and praises God for preventing me from attending that event locally and having to drive all the way to where she was several states away. My friend smile widened. Oh, I remember that all too well, and I think I get it. You're praying God's promises in the Bible back to him, asking him to honor what he said. Exactly, I told her. Jesus Christ told us that we would do greater things than he did because Jesus is in heaven, pleading to the Father for us. Whoa, she exhaled. I know, right? I opened my hands wide in front of me and continued, God does not see me as the sinner that I am. Instead, he hears my prayers as what they are, requests covered by the blood of his perfect, sinless, and righteous son. It's not about who's praying, it's how we pray. I get it now. I know we know that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And who's more righteous than Jesus? Bingo, I told her. Okay, I forgot who I was talking to. Let me change my prayer request. I laughed and looked down at her long list of prayers in my prayer journal that I wrote down. She wanted to finish a project at work, exercise more, and eat healthier. Sure, but why? These prayers are great. She smiled because when you pray, God moves. I want to pray for big things. Let's go then. Exhaled, she poured out the deepest desires of her heart to be married to a godly man, for victory over sin in her life, for salvation for her family. We bowed our heads and cried out to God with a renewed sense of faith. After we prayed, I felt that familiar deluge of warmth as the Holy Spirit cascaded over us. For wherever two or, two or more are come together in the name of Jesus, he's present. That's from Matthew eighteen twenty. That conversation with my friend happened Oh my goodness, several years ago, almost a decade ago. And we are still seeing the fruit of those prayers prayed at my kitchen table. She's now married to a wonderful man, and most of her family members are saved. She still struggles with sin like we all do. The greatest joy I experience when I pray and commune with God is my sustenance as a child of God. This intimacy is only available to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that yet, take a moment. Pause this podcast and pray to yourself or out loud, Jesus, I believe in you as my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Once we've taken that step of faith, the Holy Spirit then becomes resides in our heart, and God's Word becomes alive and active, which is the Holy Bible, in our hearts and lives. Scripture now becomes sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating our deepest recess to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judging the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And that's from Hebrews 4.12. The Bible also becomes our most powerful offensive and defensive weapon in our greatest battle, spiritual warfare. 
See Ephesians 6, 10-18. Without the covering of the blood of Jesus, we are unarmed and defenseless for the spiritual war surrounding us, because it's always surrounding us. Only through praying to God, acknowledging that we are a sinner, asking forgiveness for our sins, and knowing that Jesus lived a life and died on the cross for our sins, we are saved. See Romans 3 through 10. After declaring out loud that Jesus rose from the dead and is our Lord and Savior, we now have access to the strongest force in the universe, a holy and perfect God. See Romans Chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. For there is only one way to the Father, and it's through his faith in his Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. John fourteen six. When I pray scripture and faith, I wield the mightiest weapon on earth and in the universe. I have found that praying God's word becomes profoundly more effective. And now when I place my name in scripture, it's even, it's even more powerful. And in doing so, I've witnessed indescribable, indescribable movements from God. These miracles are always, of course, in God's perfect timing, not mine. I've often said that if we understood the power of God's word, his promises, and his great love for us, our prayer life, along with the nature and results of our prayers, would change dramatically. Andrew Murray agrees. He states, beware in your prayer about everything of limiting God but only by unbelief, but by fancy, fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. Each time you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do, of how God delights to hear Christ, of your place in Christ, and expect great things. I love that. That's a quote by Andrew Murray. Now, I encourage you, no, I dare you, to pray God's words back to him. When you, if you get a chance to crack open my prayer book, it's available on Amazon, wherever five books, fine books are sold. Read those prayers out loud. For each Hebrew name of God, there's 12 of them, and there's seven prayers under each Hebrew name of God. And the Hebrew names of God go from very formal to intimate. And each, and they're only revealed, actually, to uh, most of them are only revealed to man. When you pray them, pray them out loud. Again, that's really powerful as you're praying. Pray once with your name in them, second with your loved ones, and third with the name of your enemies. Because when you're, because this action is really essential by praying it out loud. Because when you insert your name into God's word, you are declaring the source of all universal truth and authority over yourself with God's, with with your heart's desires and your life. The Lord spoke to my heart when I wrote this book. Since you're encouraging others to place their to place their names into my word, the names, excuse me, I have given them into my word, tell them of the meaning of my names as well. And in obedience to that revelation, I grouped the prayers, and again, in the 12 most common Hebrew names of God. So they're really powerful, and I would encourage you just to read them again out loud. I found that through my research that the Jesus is the fulfillment of each of these 12 names. And there's more names, the Hebrew names of God. I just picked these 12 because I, I, I could actually write several volumes on that. But it's beautiful, the Hebrew names of God. They're gorgeous. And each, and each of these names of God gives you a richer description of the Hebrew meaning between the root words. They're really powerful. When we pray with God's words back to God, God moves 
unbelievably. And sometimes it's not how we watch, not how we'd like. I was just speaking with my 12-year-old son today, and I was talking to him about the power of prayer. And he said, well, God doesn't answer all my prayers. I said, God's not like a genie. He doesn't just, oh, you ask and he's obedient to you. Sometimes he answers, and the answer is either not now or no. And we have to trust him because he knows his ways are higher than our ways. The heavens are higher than the earth. And we just have to trust him with that. So after we pray, stand back and watch God work. When God labors on our behalf, something extraordinary usually happens. And it's bigger and more incredible than we could ever ask or imagine. For God declares, so shall my word be that that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall ex- succeed in the thing for which I sent. Isaiah fifty five eleven. So another suggestion, write down the desires of your heart in blue or black ink in your prayer journal, and then record how God responds to your prayers in red another or another bright colored ink and date them the date that he answers. So date the date of your prayer and then the date of the answer. You'll be encouraged as you look back upon these pages. So remember, God's not a microwave God. He takes, sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes he has to wait for all the parties to be ready, us included. Sometimes he's waiting for change in our hearts. For me, as I look back on my prayer journal, this is the oxygen that flames that fuels my flames of faith, especially during times of intense difficulty and growth. Because when we're going through a trial, that's when we grow the month, grow the most. Excuse me. So pull up a chair to God's table of blessing. He's already lavishly laid out for you in the presence of your enemies. It's overflowing with His goodness, love, and mercies. See Psalm twenty-three. We don't wrestle against other people but it's against spiritual powers, rulers, and authority over darkness and evil. That's from Ephesians 6.12. Lastly, remember God's got you, your loved ones, and yes, even your adversaries, those who sin against you, in the palm of his hand. He's such a big God that he can even work sin out for good in his glory. Again, see, and I encourage you to memorize Romans 8.28. Be blessed, my friends, and lift your gaze. Lift Your Gaze is a listener-supported podcast. This was episode 107. Go to www.liftyourgaze.org to make a tax-deductible donation to support this podcast and the efforts of Lift Your Gaze. You can find the Lift Your Gaze podcast wherever you can download your favorite podcasts. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and SoundCloud. You can also find Lift Your Gaze at Nona FN mobile apps and on our website, www.liftyourgaze.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lift Your Gaze. Be sure to subscribe so you may continue to enjoy upcoming episodes. Lift Your Gaze is a listener-supported podcast. We deeply appreciate your partnering with us today. We would also like to invite you to visit liftyourgaze.org. There, you'll have the opportunity to learn about our impactful community programs, such as our hope initiatives, and we welcome you to kindly consider a tax-deductible contribution that will enable us to continue to share the message of Lift Your Gaze. Until next time, there's always hope when you lift your gaze.